Hey everybody and welcome back to the Out to Be podcast. It's your host Katie Zaccardi and on this week's episode we have a very special episode for you where Brie Noble, who as you guys know has been my co-host for a couple episodes uh, in the last couple months because we are collaborating for our upcoming group program Out to Launch and the upcoming free challenge that we're running this month. I'll tell you about that in a second. Brie Noble is interviewing me on my business journey and development. The highs, the lows, the wins, the losses. So this is really a huge, huge behind the scenes of my business and like what it was like to grow from this point. As you guys know, I started as an artist and as a music industry professional and then I pivoted to be a coach. So this is the real like no fluff, no glamorization inside scoop of how it happened. Because if you are an artist right now and you're thinking of growing your income streams or maybe you're a coach or teacher right now and you want to know what it's actually like to build a business, we're giving you the real deal on this episode. Before we dive in, I want to tell you really quick about the free challenge that Brie and I are running starting on June 15th that you can sign up for now. So to sign up, you can go to katiezacardi.com slash free challenge. This challenge is the three steps to successfully launch a new income stream as a music teacher or coach. So we're going to be going over basically our three-step strategy for our three-step sold-out launch system, the strategy for selling out your launch. Day one, we're going to talk about creating the right offer. Day two, we're going to talk about warming up your audience. And day three, we're going to talk about implementing a confident sales strategy. So join us starting June 15th. It goes the 15th, 16th, and 17th. Uh, Once you sign up, you'll be put in the Facebook group where the challenge will take place, and it is going to be amazing. Both Brie and I are hosting it and are teaching in it, and you are going to get so much value. So I hope to see you there. Again, you can sign up by heading to katiezacardi.com slash free challenge. Now let's hop into the episode. Hey, Out to Be podcast. This is Brie Noble. I am excited to be the takeover host today for the episode. Uh, I know I've been on a few previous episodes with Katie, and I thought it would be fun to come on here and interview Katie about her own business. It's, you know, when we're on our own podcast, it's always a little strange to talk about your own business, but it's really fun to have someone else interview you and kind of dig out the golden nuggets of things that you've learned over the years as a business owner and as someone who has launched programs. So we're going to be talking about her journey as going from a musician and artist to a music coach and business owner and someone who's launched several different offers over the years. So uh, to get us started, Katie, I know that these listeners probably know you pretty well, but just a little background. How did you move from being a musician into starting to coach other people? Yeah, so it's funny because I tell this story a lot and usually I like put it very wellness heavy because it kind of was wellness heavy. But as I pivoted to being a business coach, I've sort of tried to like put emphasis on different things. So I'll give you like the very well-rounded answer (laughs) that kind of includes it all. So I studied music business at NYU and while I was in school there, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I thought originally I would really focus on being a songwriter when I graduated. Um, while I was there, I started my indie artist career. I had been performing, writing, releasing, etc. Um, 
And come graduation, I was still kind of debating. (laughs) And I had this pressure, like, just get a job, get a job, get a job. I had also had this idea for a songwriter's app, which I was so bummed to hear a couple weeks ago that I think Cara Diaguardi is making a very similar app to the idea that I had. It's basically like Tinder for songwriters. It helps you find songwriters in your area. So when I graduated... I had thought about doing that. Um, It was a school project that I had come up with that idea in and we ran with it and I was like, maybe I'll create it. But, you know, to create an app, you have to have a web developer or an app developer and I don't know how to do that. So it's like, I didn't have the money to pay someone. You kind of need money for that. (laughs) Yeah, or you needed to give away stakes of your company. And I was like, I am not willing to do that with someone that I like don't really know or trust. So... That kind of got put on the back burner and then got taken off the stove, I guess, because it's not happened and apparently now somebody else is doing it. (laughs) But anyway, I started applying for jobs and it took me eight months to get a job. So luckily I had a job in college that I was able to work through the summer while I was still living in the city um, before I planned to move back home because at that point I was like, uh, I have no job after September. I need to, I need to probably live with my parents or I will be broke. Um, and that's what I did. So I worked over the summer uh, a little bit. I did music. I performed. And I, I've always had a very entrepreneurial brain. And so at the time I was really into yoga because I had struggled with anxiety in college and beyond college and yoga was something that I had gotten really into and started practicing regularly and helped me a lot with my anxiety and just also like my fitness as well. It was just something I really enjoyed. And I was thinking like, if I were a certified yoga teacher right now, I could be making some extra cash by teaching yoga at like country clubs or outdoor spaces. And I had all these ideas for how I could have been making extra money uh, if I had been able to teach yoga. So that kind of led me down a path of just curiously looking at yoga teacher trainings. And funny enough, I found one that started in September in a location right above the music studio that I took piano and guitar lessons at as a kid. Felt like fate, yeah. (laughs) It was like, okay, I have to do this. It's right when I move home. It's where I used to go for lessons all the time. Like, it just felt very synchronistic. So I did it. And looking back, that was probably one of the first big investments I made in myself with, like, my own money, putting it towards something that I really wanted to do to get the certification. So I got the certification. Again, I'm still applying, interviewing, looking for jobs. And again, in a very like synchronistic uh, way, right after I finished the yoga teacher training was when I landed my job. Like I, I basically got the offer the last week of it and I started two weeks later. So it was almost like the universe was opening up a path to be like, you have to do this and mm. then we'll, we'll settle you down in a job. So I worked in music publishing for a couple years and it was good. It was fine. You know, I had also thought graduating college that that was something I wanted to do. You know, while I was in college, I did a bunch of internships. I obviously learned a lot from the indie artist uh, stuff when you're when you're grassrooting it all yourself. And um, I did an internship in sync licensing. And so I I thought maybe I'll go into that. So music publishing felt like a good fit. And it, I love the company. I love the people. But at the end of the day, I was still really anxious. I was balancing a million things. Um, I had been teaching yoga. I had been 
doing my full-time job, I was working with a nonprofit called Woman Crush Music, which was also a really important part of my career development because if you work in a nonprofit, you know it's basically just like all hands on deck. Everyone does everything all the way So, <laughs> So this was like my side job, starting up a nonprofit where I was running the social media, redoing the website, um, interviewing people, hiring interns, running all of our online initiatives, putting on live events in New York City, shows and networking events and educational events, basically doing like everything under the sun. Um, I was also doing my own indie artist career. I can't remember if I said that already. And just like a few other miscellaneous things I had picked up where I was working like seven jobs at once at one point and kind of just like really anxious, working a ton, leading myself towards burnout. And I had to kind of like go through that process and come back from it and learn how to kind of heal myself and figure out how to manage my own anxiety and manage my own time and be able to like say yes and no to certain things. And it just led me down this path of like really focusing on my personal development and career development. And I got to a point in my job where I was like, I don't want to do this. Like I don't want to work for someone else. I'm at my day job doing woman crush stuff or doing artist stuff because like I'm not here. Like I'm not mentally here. And Physically, I would have migraines from sitting in a chair all day staring at a computer. And so I just knew I had to take it into my own hands. And at the time, when I um, was thinking about quitting and doing something else, it was actually the founder of Woman Crush, Ashley Kervabon, who was like, why don't you start like coaching or mentoring or something? And so that was something I really considered obviously. <laughs> and, um, but I wasn't sure if I wanted to do marketing or business or, or some other more businessy type of mentoring. And I ultimately settled on going into the wellness and mental health world because, you know, I was still pretty fresh out of the yoga thing, like teaching it. And that was still a, a huge passion of mine. And I just noticed like, um, again, coming out of like this battle with burnout, with anxiety and having to come out of it on my own. I'm glossing over that part because there's like so much nitty gritty wellness stuff that went into that. But <laughs> but at the end of the day, it basically just led me to be like, this is bullshit. There's so much imposter syndrome, self-doubt, burnout, hustle culture. Like, you know, I didn't drink because uh, it made me anxious. And then I always felt like I couldn't stay out late. I couldn't hang with the people in the music industry. There were a lot of uh, things that led me to just want to kind of change the culture. And so I decided I'm going to start with wellness coaching and I'm just going to help any women in music out there who need support and are feeling burnt out or are feeling alone or stuck and be able to help them work through that. So that's the very, very long version of it. And then I, I was a wellness coach uh, slash mindset coach for a, like a year, I want to say, maybe a little over that until I ultimately pivoted to really embrace the business side because at the end of the day, even though I was a wellness coach, I would still do release strategies and all this business stuff with my clients because that's what they wanted and I really loved doing it too. So I finally just embraced that aspect of it. Now I'm able to um, to coach people in a very holistic way where we're doing the business strategy and we're minding the mindset and we're making sure nobody's burning out while it's happening. Right. So what, what year was this where you pivoted into doing the wellness and were you doing it just for musicians at that time? Yeah, so I started my business, I want to say 2019, very beginning of 2019. Was it really that recent? Okay, because yeah. I think I interviewed Ashley Kervabon in like 2018, 
2017 and I heard about you and she's like, oh yeah, yeah, she's on your list and you know. Yeah, so I was doing Woman Crush at, in 2017. So I so I had built up a lot of um, contacts from that basically. And I don't know what it was. Like I think that coming from the nonprofit world especially, it almost gives you some creds even if you don't like have any <laughs> because people are like, oh, it's a nonprofit. That's nice. We should treat you nicely. But... <laughs> But um, it, it really, it gave me the ability and also just like the confidence almost like behind the organization to be like, hey, I work with Women Crush and we're doing this really cool thing. And so I connected with a lot of great people. We did a lot of collaborations. Um, so I had been doing that for about two years and I was actually still doing that when I started my business. Um, I want to say I did that through 2019 and I, and I left them in 2020. Um and I should mention as well that I, so I quit my job at the beginning of 2019 and I, I also picked up a freelance marketing gig. And this is something worth mentioning because I know a lot of people are sort of like, you know, do I go from zero to a hundred or a hundred to zero? Do I like tear down? And I don't know if there's a right or wrong way to do it, but for my circumstance, the amount of money I was making in music publishing was like not a lot. And mm -hmm. so <clears throat> for me to pick up a part-time job, like a freelance gig where I did social media marketing for a headphone company, uh, like a silent disco company. I, it made sense. Like I could work three days a week and make, uh, basically a comparable amount of money, especially with the business income coming in that it wasn't a huge trade-off, except I got more time and more money for my time. Um, and then I was able to phase that out in fall of 2019. So I did that for like maybe six or eight months. And then I phased that out and went full time in my business. So yeah, I think it's really important to mention that because yeah. I know that your work with women crush was social media and marketing, right? So you got that experience there. And then did you get this other job because of that? Or is just that you had those skills because of women crush, and then you could find this other job? Both. Yeah. I mean, I think that my work with Women Crush, it looked great on my resume. I mean, listen, it, it looked, it was great. It was beneficial, but it, it looked great on my re resume too, because I, my title there was head of marketing. Like I was able to put that on and, and I did handle all of that. Like I genuinely did do all that scheduling and strategy. And, you know, we had Facebook groups, we had uh, something that I called the the Woman Crush Collective or something like that. It was a Facebook group where each month was a different theme and I'd try to do guest speakers in it all for free. Like it was basically a membership all for free. And so that was also like the first steps of me clearly having an urge to like teach people and educate and provide value and all that stuff. And um, so I was able to use that as leverage as well. Plus, of course, um, working full time and having, I was an executive assistant in music publishing, but I was doing some social media with that as well. So I think that that plus like I had a very PR and marketing, um, based brain. Like I did some internships in that. I obviously did that, uh, with my own artist career when I had to figure out how to pitch myself to blogs and get press and stuff like that. So those two things combined, like I was definitely able to position myself as an expert in those things, which I arguably was because I did so much different kinds of work uh, in those areas. Yeah, I think it's so important to mention that because we do sometimes need to 
do things that maybe we're not getting paid a lot for to get the experience that we need and also develop those relationships. So I know that you're working with Women Crush, first of all, helped you understand musicians beyond just yourself and understand the things that they were going through. Yeah. And then to have those connections and also that clout that like, yeah, you ran a community within Women Crush and you were the marketing and social media person for them. And so artists saw you as an authority when you did move into the coaching space. And I know I experienced kind of a similar thing with women of substance. I built up a huge, e a decent sized email list and also a lot of, of um, you know, networking and people just knowing me in yeah. the music industry because I was doing this thing, but I was barely making, if any money, like the first several years I was making nothing. And then I was, you know, my whole goal was starting, it was breaking even. And then eventually we started making just like a tiny bit of money. But, you know, at that point I was raising my kids and yeah. I could afford to do that because I was home with my kids and I didn't have to work and all that. But, um, you know, sometimes we do that in our career to make those connections and to learn what we're good at. You know, yeah. you learned that you were really good at fostering community and marketing and all of that stuff. And so then you moved into coaching. So did you start out with one-on-one -on -one coaching? Yes. So uh, I started out with one-on-one -on -one coaching. And I think that's also what allowed me to be able to scale to a point where like I was making up my monthly income I would have made, uh, you know, at my business or uh, in my full-time job pretty quickly. So I started with one-on-one. -on -one. Um, I was doing like three-month programs and four-month programs and like very slowly increasing my prices and just trying to get new clients in. And I mean, at one point I had like seven one-on-one -on -one clients. So it, I was obviously getting people pretty quickly, <laughs> which in retrospect, I, I don't think I thought that. But like I... For someone who was brand new, like I think that people were very attracted to what I was doing because it wasn't something that had really been seen before up until that point. And I was, um, you know, I had done a program, something I didn't mention, but when I quit my job, like I had a whole plan worked out. I was like, I'm leaving my job on this day so I can get X amount more money and get paid for X amount vacation days that I'm taking or that I have left. And then I'm going skiing. And then when I get back, this program starts and this coaching program is going to help me basically launch my business. And that's exactly what I did. I started the freelance job. I started a coaching program um, that was there to help me start my business and put myself out there. So I learned like mind mindset, sales skills, how to launch, how to create an offer. Like I learned the basics of all of those things in that program uh, that I did right at the beginning of my business. So I wasn't like fooling around. I wasn't like, oh, let me test this thing. Let me, you know, which there's, I, I don't want to put shame to that because I did that a lot as an artist and I learned a lot that mm -hmm. way. But I also think that like, I just was very committed. I was like, I but as an artist, the stakes were lower. You weren't, you yes. didn't just quit your job. You know what I mean? Yes. So what, what made you know, like, if I'm going to really do this, I need to invest in a coach. That's a great question. You know, I almost, I almost don't know. I, so that fall I had done. Okay. It's going to be a little bit convoluted almost because I think that how it started with, it's literally just like a sequence of events. I, and you're going to be like, how does it, how is this related? But like, I have suffered with really bad allergies. <laughs> and so I got to a point, 
Uh, and it's related to anxiety as well. Like I got to a point uh, where I was struggling with anxiety, allergies, migraines, like all of these issues. And I was like, I'm sick of it. Like I refuse to accept that this is how my life is. So you have this plus the career question mark. And I basically went into this journey of like changing my life. So I had gotten very much into functional medicine because conventional medicine doctors just like weren't cutting it. They weren't actually healing me. They were just giving me stuff to cover up what was going on. And um, long story short, I, I got into like the functional medicine world. Um, yoga is also closely related to Ayurveda, which is a, you know, the ancient Indian medicine. And so I think I started listening to a podcast Sahara Rose's highest self podcast. I think that's mm. how I got into that world. <laughs> and I started listening to some personal development podcasts and just sort of started absorbing more of this. And I ended up taking a course by Sahara Rose that was like money and your dosha. So it was like an Ayurvedic money mindset kind of course. And it was sort of like a group coaching program. So that was like my first foray into like actually doing a personal development slash kind of business program. And again, at the time I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm sort of like, literally it was like four months before I quit my job. I had been thinking about it and plotting what am I going to do? So it wasn't a rash or quick decision. It was pretty well thought out. Um, and I used that as sort of like an entryway. And then literally, again, just like sequence of events. I think I was on Instagram looking at Sahara Rose's stories one day and she had posted a group of people that I think maybe she was mentoring or were in her mastermind. And so I just went through the tags. I just looked at these people. I just happened to do it. And I found the person who ended up, who was like actively launching the <laughs> course that I ended up joining or was, or I had followed her. And then a few weeks later, she started actively launching it. And it was this business accelerator. And it, I read the sales page and I was just like, this is what I need. This is exactly me. This is exactly what I need. So I applied and then I did the interview call and um, it was like a $6,000 investment. I almost threw up because it was really scary, but I just sort of knew this is speaking to me. This is what I have to do. So again, looking back, it really does feel like it's like these carefully placed things that I just happened to see or happened to listen to or happened to join that all led up to exactly what I needed at any given time. Yeah. I mean, I can definitely resonate with that. I've had those two going from radio station to podcast to all of a sudden, you know, I, I'm not all of a sudden, but like, it might look like that all of a sudden I'm launching a, you know, membership program. Right. Yeah. So, you know, though these little breadcrumbs yeah. are dropped along the way. And I know that's what we talk about when we're talking about warming up our audience is that, you know, you just happen to catch one of those little breadcrumbs and that like started you down the rabbit hole of like, yeah. oh, what does this person do? And what is this thing she's launching? And oh my gosh, then, you know, she had her messaging all just right. And you're yep. like, yep, I'm raising my hand. This is exactly. me. I need this. And yes, this is, you know, this investment is a little bit uncomfortable, yeah. but I know that it's, you know, it's gonna get me to where I want to go. And it, and it has, you know, so yeah. I, I love that kind of meta example there of, of what we teach. So after you launched your one-on-one, -on -one, um, when, 
you know, when did you get to the idea of like, oh, I want to increase my product suite beyond just one-on-one? So it wasn't until the end of that year. I did one-on-one for like a better part of the year. And then I think in December of that year, I had had a couple people who were interested in continuing, but money was a little bit tight for them. And I had a few new people who were interested as well. And I basically decided, and I'll mention as well that at this point, I, I never like haven't had a coach. <laughs> like I've always had a coach from that. And I ended up doing another money course um, to really just make sure that like I was set up financially well and that uh, money was something a lot of my clients struggled with. So I wanted to be able to also have just extra knowledge to be able to help them. Uh, Cause I do think, you know, when you're talking strategy, uh, which again, at this point, I was still technically wellness, but like, really, it was just like coaching <laughs> yeah. once you got in. Um, but when you're doing strategy, the money stuff is important. You know, it's like, how are you going to plan out to do this release? Or, you know, how are you going to afford to continue to have a coach so you have the support to do it? So I did another co- uh, coaching <clears throat> program and then I started working with that coach one on one. So with my coach, we basically were looking at it and saying, all right, these people can't quite afford it or they're looking for a cheaper option. You know, we've got some new people coming in. Why don't we do a group program? Saves me time, allows them to afford it, ultimately like makes me more money. So that was the first thing that I did. And that specific program was kind of just like a a one-off group thing like I it's not something that still exists in my product suite it was just like a group coaching program where I put them all together and I think we had a group call and then they got one one one-on-one call per month something like that so it was a little bit hybrid Uh, and it allowed people to work with me at a slightly lower price point and again for me to scale a little bit more so that was the very first thing that I did yeah it's cool because you could kind of test out some different things in there you know you could be like okay do I like group calls Do I like having, you know, a community, right? Versus just the one-on-ones. Yeah. And then I know you moved into other things in 2020. You did a membership and you did a mastermind and you did a course, you know, you did a lot of things, right? So what, what made you kind of try those different things after the group program? Yeah. So I think the first thing I did was the wealthy musician bundle. And that was sort of like, I did it on the back burner and then I launched it officially later. But the Wealthy Musician Bundle was something that I came up with because I had literally been creating this for my clients. Like I had been using something for myself. My clients desperately needed it. Like my clients at the time, a lot of them were having like money struggles, you know, money mindset issues. And so I came up with the Wealthy Musician Um, Well, first it was the tracker. Then I ended up running a free challenge uh, around money mindset um, in like January of that year or something. And um, we basically put those two things together and now it's the bundle. So that was something that was like, oh, is this just a quick tool that my clients are using and I'm giving it to my one-on-one clients anyway. Let me just monetize it for anybody who kind of needs it. But all that time... And then another course. And then I did Amy Porterfield's Digital Course Academy. So I guess the seeds had been planted before I did the group coaching program. I knew I wanted to do a course, um, which became from stress to success. So at this time, I'm in the mindset of like, I'm a wellness coach. I'm going to do like my signature wellness program my signature wellness course which now is still a part of my product suite but it's like so not the signature thing (laughs) at all (laughs) but um 
So I did Amy Porterfield's Digital Course Academy to learn how to create a course, to learn how to launch it. She ha she's very type A, which I love about her. And so she she gives, it's like so detailed. Everything yes, she is. Um, <laughs> so I had been, I think they launched that in September and, and I was like, should I do it? I don't know. And I... I bought it and then I didn't even do it live. Like she sort of drips it out live and has like a Facebook group. I started the course like in December or January and then spent the beginning of 2020, uh, which it's so weird to say this because thinking about August of 2020 versus January of 2020, I'm like, this could not have been the same year. <laughs> in my mind, they're two different years, but it was somehow. So I spent the beginning of 2020 creating and prepping for the launch of From Stress to Success, which I then launched in February. That's so, funny because I launched Rock Your Next Release in February also. For the first year. time? Like really? right before the pandemic. Oh my gosh, yeah. And if only we had known, which is again why I'm like, could this really be right? Like, <laughs> Well, actually it worked really well for, I mean, I don't know how it did for your course, but for me, like launching a course about releasing music, it couldn't have been a better time because that was all musicians could do in 2020 since they couldn't perform. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think from stress to success, nobody knew it the first time I was launching it that what was going to happen would be the right. case. So people joined, but not with that in their mind. I did then launch it again. I want to say I did that. And then I maybe did a wealthy musician bundle launch. And then I launched from stress to success again in April or May. I think it, yeah, I think it was like early May. I did another from stress to success launch. And I cannot remember if it was before or after that second launch that I launched the membership. And the membership was something that was like a direct response to uh, my clients and- It must have been before, cause I actually was a, it was like the beginning of June that I was a guest in your membership. Yeah, so it must have been like April or March or, <clears throat> it was probably April that I launched it. So as you can tell, it's like, all right, we did From Stress to Success February, pandemic hit in March, and then I launched the membership. Which, like I said, direct response of me being like, okay, people are broke right now. People need support right now. What's something that's a lower ticket from what I offer that people can join? And I'm sure we'll talk about this, but the membership is something I don't do anymore because it was basically just like a failed experiment. Um, <laughs> now, people join. like People join, but not enough for me to like make it worth continuing to run unless I wanted to almost like make it, it my, the main thing of my business and it just wasn't quite working. And keep in mind that at this time, I was still technically a wellness coach going under that name. So I launched the membership thinking that it would almost be like the next step after From Stress to Success and a way for people to keep their momentum going, a way for people to get a little bit more business acumen while they did it. So it was like wellness and also a little bit of strategy in there you know like again it, it was fine like it was fine you know I'd have a couple I have a few people a handful of people in the courses and the membership but it would almost cause me more stress than it would do good at the end of the day yeah and so I know we have even more to your journey but I just want to stop here because I know that there's a lesson out of this right you launched like three different things in about four months, right? <laughs> and so 
like what what did you learn from that? Because I know some of what we talk about in Out to Launch is like, you know, don't launch like a new thing constantly, yeah. right? And yeah. I did this in my business too. I'd be like, I'd launch something like, eh, that didn't really it was okay. Let's launch a new thing. You know what I mean? And then your, your attention is so divided. So what did you learn during this period? And, and how did you kind of like then pare down your offer suite to know like that these are the right things I should be offering and only these? Yeah. I learned don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. Well, but actually kind of, but, um, I think that what's interesting is that like my From Stress to Success launch was so well, so well thought out, like so well planned. Like I said, I was doing Amy's course, like it was very meticulous. It was very like put together, like I had teleprompters recording the the scripts to it. And like, you know, I spent so much time on that. And also at the same time, I feel like I was disappointed in that. But because I had put so much effort, I knew I had to continue and try. And what I mean by that is like, you know, obviously when someone is launching a course, and you'll probably see us do this too. Like when we're launching out to launch, you'll you'll see us talk about the highlights of what our clients have done. And they had, they made this much, they did this thing, it was so amazing. And because all that is true and all that is worth mentioning. But when you're listening to Amy Porterfield, who has like a huge client base and oh, this person, she launched her course and she had a $50,000 launch right out of the gate and it was amazing. You start to think, oh, I can do that too. And you can do that too. And when that doesn't happen, whether it's a 50,000 goal, 25,000, 10,000, 5,000, maybe even just 1,000, whatever it is, when you don't hit your goals, it can be like devastating. And this is something where I actually kind of talk about this a lot and I don't mind getting kind of like personal here um, because I don't think that it's a weakness. I think it makes me a stronger coach, but I have a lot of self-awareness now around the fact that like as a person, I have to be very careful about how I go about setting goals, manifestation, setting expectations, uh, running my business, getting validation, etc. Um Something that helped me clarify this for me was figuring out my Enneagram, actually. I'm a type three and type three is like- I saw that and I'm like, yep, me too. I see are. why we're working together. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, maybe you you can share if you've had a similar experience, Brie, but like I, I just find that the way I work, if I set a goal and I don't reach it, I can be really hard on myself, mm-hmm. like really hard on myself. And it was really tough. It was really tough at the beginning hearing people say no, because I would take it really personally. I would let it affect my energy and the rest of the launch. It would throw me off. So I think that especially during that period in the first couple months of 2020 or really the first like half of 2020, that was a huge battle for me happening behind the scenes because I was trying to navigate not only launching these things that I really felt like were amazing products and would help people, but I was also having to deal with like, okay, I didn't, I didn't hit my goal. What next? Or, you know, this person said no, and I'm taking it really hard. What next? How do I like come back from this? So, um, that was something I was dealing with and that I kind of just had to learn and learn how to figure out how to work with myself, like instead of beating myself up for knowing I have these reactions, but also learn how to like know what do I have to do to almost ground myself or just take better care of myself mentally, physically, so that 
these things don't hit me as hard. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I think as definitely as Enneagram threes, like for me, my way was I don't want to face my failure. So I'll just move on to the next thing because and and I also like, I'd be just like, oh, well, this just must be crap. So this is the wrong thing. And I'd move to the next one. You know what I mean? And I had a couple small launches like that, of things I don't even launch anymore that I, you know, was just like, well, so much for those six months of my life, you know, let's move on to something else. And there was really nothing like inherently wrong with the thing. It was all about the way I launched it. I didn't do my research. I didn't, um, you know, validate. I, I didn't really warm up the audience. Like all the things that we teach people I did wrong. And that's why that didn't work. Um, but my way of handling it was let's just move on to the next thing. Cause I don't want to face the fact that that failed. Yeah. And other people, you know, that are a different Enneagram, they may just like, decide to, you know, not ever launch anything again, because they figure it's not <laughs> that thing. It's them. Yeah. You know, that yeah. They just can't launch successfully. So, you yeah. know, we're here to tell you guys that we've all had failed launches and that doesn't mean anything about you. It just maybe means that there was something amiss in the process. Yeah. And that's why launching with a coach is so helpful because, I personally at least have a lot of of blind spots that I might miss when I get excited about something and I start going down this path (laughs) and not seeing all these, you know, like warning signs along the way that I'm on the wrong path or, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing it quite the way that I should. Yeah. So I think that, you know, we've all been through that for sure. And so that's probably, you were going through a testing period of like, well, let's try this and let's try this and, yeah. you know, all that. So then how did you get to the point where you're like, no, I'm going to double down on this and this and yeah. here's why. Well, before we get there, I actually want to mention a couple of things that came to mind as learning lessons as you oh. were just talking uh, that I think are relevant. <laughs> the first is that I want to mention, because you said, you know, that's why it's so helpful to do it with a coach. I've mentioned like 20 times now I was doing Amy Porterfield's Digital Course Academy, blah, blah, blah. That was a passive thing. And right. she, she had had- you didn't get to ask Amy questions no. about what we were doing wrong. No, exactly. And And when she had launched that in September- she did like an eight week Facebook group where you could ask questions, but I wasn't doing the course at that time because I wasn't ready to at that time. I was saving it for later. And so when I was doing it, there was no room for questions. Plus it's not really the same because there's like hundreds, if not thousands of people in there. That is also very true. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like if you happen to get your question answered, it wouldn't be like the most specific answer you could imagine. Right. But, but what I was going to say as well is that like, So that was one big thing, but also her teaching style is very like email list heavy. Like it's like build your email list up and then launch it to your email list. And there's nothing wrong with that. But like at that time, I didn't have the biggest email list. Um, So I think that like you have to put everything into perspective. Like if I'm launching with an email list heavy launch and she didn't teach me how to warm up people using social media like I've learned later and now know and now teach. And that's why I think um, in Out to Launch, we have an extremely well-rounded approach because we utilize email and social media and any other avenues that you might be connecting with your audience with. But at that time for From Stress to Success, 
I wasn't efficiently, I don't think, warming up my social media audience necessarily. I was focusing a lot on email and I just didn't have the numbers to like really equate to the goal that I wanted to. Um, but the other thing that I also learned, that being said, is that like you're compare you compare yourself to yourself and to others. But like I had been able to, for instance, sign seven one-on-one clients at a higher ticket price where my monthly price was the same if not more than my course price and then yet I would go to launch from stress to success or even the membership which were again lower cost and I would get people saying I can't afford it I would get people saying it's just not the right thing I don't know and I was like what the fuck is going on like (laughs) I'm just gonna be brutal about it I was like what is going on I would get I'm like how could I sign these how could I sign almost 10 one-on-one clients with somewhat ease? Yes, I got no's, but like I would book out my one-on-one and then I'd be struggling to get people to to buy into what I thought was a no-brainer product. Even the Wealthy Musician Bundle. I'd be like, mm-hmm. this is freaking $50 and it's going to literally teach you how to make more money and you won't buy it? Like, are you kidding me? So this is, this is one of the biggest lessons from this doesn't matter how cheap, do not make your product cheaper because you think that's gonna get people to buy it. 1000% that is not the case. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Number mm-hmm. two, you really, really have to get super specific on who your audience is, who you're tailoring it to and what their objections are because the money objection, I came up against so many times. Now, why did this happen? I think it was a combination of audience who is in my audience, they weren't ready to buy. Um, also the fact that they probably weren't warmed up enough to buy. And maybe that my product uh, or the marketing of it wasn't quite showing them that they needed this and that the value was worth them investing time and money in. So, you know, I like I said, I still signed people. I still got people to buy. And maybe part of that was because they'd followed me. They liked me. It did speak to them, but I wasn't getting the numbers I wanted. And I was as I said earlier, ending up more frustrated than than anything else because of these things. So those are like some really big lessons I learned. And we'll, we will fast forward, but now uh, my my one-on-one price is more than three times what it what I started out with. And I sign clients there. Because yep. it's not a it's not just about like being lower for the sake of being lower priced. It's it's a lot more than that. <laughs> it's a lot more than that. Yeah. And there's something to be said for testing and all that stuff that you did and, and pushing past it and not giving up. Because I remember I was, I've been on your email list almost the whole time that you've been out as a coach, just because I really, you know, liked your angle and all that. And I'm watching, you know, I'm watching in the background here, not really even knowing you very well, watching you launch all these different things. I'm like, holy crap, she's launching so many things. And, you know, (laughs) she like, and which is funny because you also launch you like affiliate launch a lot I do I affiliate launch a lot of things but I see you're launching your own things like how is she doing all of this I was busting out new products left and right in the right funny like it was it was a lot yeah but you didn't like you didn't let it discourage you you use those things as learning lessons and you came to a point where I know you launched your mastermind which went really really well yeah So that was like you were asking earlier that I would say was the turning point. So over the summer, I, I had done another from stress to success launch and I was just, I had done that one with affiliates 
and um, once again, I didn't quite get the results that I wanted, and none of these launches were, like, absolute failures, but, you know, it was still just kind of, like, disappointing and feeling like I'm putting a lot of time and energy into something that's not quite panning out the way I want it to. But I also feel like it's it's worth saying, like, it's okay if your first launch doesn't sell out, you know, because it probably won't. Like, that's normal. For sure. Uh, and at the same time, like, after six months of this, I knew I need a fresh pair of eyes on my business. I need to change some things up. Like, it's, it's time to take the next step, right? So... I had once again just been on Instagram and a coach who I had followed um, a while before but didn't really pay attention to her stuff all that often, caught it here and there. Um, she had posted a story saying, hey, I'm going to be doing some intensives. It originally, it was supposed to be a group program or like a group intensive for, for launching Who Wants In? And I messaged her and I was like, I think I need this. <laughs> and so at the time, I was I was intending to relaunch the membership. So I was like, I could use this for the membership launch, but I'm not sure if I even should be doing this, like whatever. And so that sales experience in itself was really life-changing for me because what she did was we just went back and forth over voice message where she said, tell me about your product suite. Tell me about what you're struggling with. She asked so many questions. She started kind of giving me a little tidbits of advice for free and she was future pacing. What is this gonna look like? And she basically was like, First of all, we need to raise your prices. Second of all, I don't know if the membership is working, um, but what I'm thinking is let's not launch that. Let's launch something new, a group program that is higher ticket. So in that, you know, seeing someone else look at what I was doing and be like, I can see this clear vision, uh, which is not unlike what I do for my clients, especially my one-on-one -on -one ones. You know, they come to me and they say, this is what I'm struggling with. And I say, Great. In my brain, I'm computing it to what this can be and what we're going to do with it. But, and that's why you need an outside perspective on your business because it's really important. Like no matter how good of a coach you are, it's hard to do it on yourself. Yes, absolutely. And um, and she pulled me up. You know what I mean? She said, "Bitch, get in order. You need to raise these prices. We need to level you up. Like we're not messing around anymore." Like, <laughs> well, and she saw that you were successful with one on one, so she knew yeah. that you could raise your prices. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so that was a big change. That was a big change. So I ended up signing with her. Um, we did an intensive and I basically at that point restructured my product suite to move fully into business. So at this point I basically made the change. Like I'm doing business coaching. Um, I'm doing high, high ticket one-on-one. -on -one. My prices are up. And um, I'm introducing a mastermind that's going to be a level below that. And so together we launched the mastermind. She helped me do it. She helped me create the program, create the assets for it. I did a waitlist launch. So I didn't even do like a free challenge or a webinar like I've done so many times in the past for, for the other launches. And um, it went really well. I had people who had worked with me in the past come back and sign. I had people who are working with me presently transition into the mastermind from the lower priced one-on-one -on -one mm -hmm. program that they were in. They did the price jump and they came to the mastermind because all of them saw, holy shit, this is a transformation that I need to be a part of. And like, I see you up leveling. It makes me know that I'm going to up level with you. And I also see the value you, that you're providing in this mastermind that I'm not even getting with one-on-one -on -one because I was bringing together a really high powered group. I was bringing a ton of guest speakers in like, 
um, it was going to be worth it for them. So current one-on-ones moved into the mastermind at a higher price. And then obviously any one-on-ones that signed from that point on were at the new price. And then new people came, a couple new people came, and a couple past clients came in. And I, I think I wanted 10 and I got seven, but for me, it was a huge win. And see, that this is what I mean. It's like, you might not always reach your goals, but sometimes, sometimes it'll be devastating. Sometimes it'll be like, yes, this was amazing. (laughs) I didn't quite get the goal, but it doesn't matter. And this was definitely one of those times. And I think that that month I had about a $15,000 month. Um, and it, it amounted to about like a 20 ish thousand dollar launch because surprisingly most people paid in full, um, Mm -hmm. which I didn't quite expect. So that was, um, that was amazing. That felt so good. And that felt like a new wave in my business and sort of a new era that had started. Yeah. And I think, yeah, you did a waitlist launch, but that worked because you had been out there doing it for months and months before that launching other things like people had developed that no like and trust with you they really understood what you were about and yeah you were pivoting a little bit but they finally saw you were offering the thing that they wanted yeah you know so you didn't have to do all that other launch stuff and sometimes that works but if you hadn't done that first stuff if you'd just gone from like one-on-one clients to that I bet you that waitlist launch probably wouldn't have gone so well and I also like a lot of launching happened behind the scenes so I think I probably signed most people like behind the scenes and then some people off of the waitlist I don't even know if I signed anybody after the waitlist happened uh, which mm. you know was kind of discouraging but that's also normal like I was offering like a bonus for the waitlist so obviously you're gonna get your your hottest leads coming in during that time um but before I even announced the waitlist, I had done a bunch of breadcrumbing. So mm-hmm. I had breadcrumbed, I provided value. And so I had a lot of people already like expressing interest before I even did the waitlist launch. And in some cases I had calls on the calendar before I even did the waitlist launch. And I gave them the waitlist bonus, but I didn't even have to go through the waitlist for it. So like um, that really just shows the, the value of like providing value and breadcrumbing beyond your launch like you said like I had spent so much time providing value before it but also it specifically leading up to the launch yeah and that's when you know you did it right because you're getting people before you even launch already like you said on the calendar with calls to talk to them and you you know you may not it was a smaller program. And when you are launching a smaller program, a lot of times you are doing this one-on-one conversations with people and that's how you want to start out. So I think that's really emulating, you know, what we work with, with a lot of clients as well, when it's one of their first or early launches, you get people in because you know them directly and they like, they know, like, and trust you. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Okay. So then from there, you've got your mastermind, you're super happy with it. And is the next thing that you launched out to launch the first time? So then I had another crisis. Then that fall, I was like, I need more recurring income. Like, of course, then it cue me being mad people paid in full, which was great for like an influx of cash. But now I'm like, I I basically came up to the standstill where I was like, I do not want to be constantly launching and I need more recurring income. And I think at that point I was like looking at the membership and thinking the membership is not 
doing what it needs to do. I need to phase this out. So I was making a lot of decisions behind the scenes. Uh, at that point, I also was like redoing my website. So there was a lot sort of happening behind the scenes and me just sort of having like a crisis with my coach of like, how do I make more recurring revenue because I don't want to be launching all the time. And I and it also wasn't working. Like I, I probably imagine that I also opened up doors to my one on one and like didn't book it out like I wanted to like probably signed one or two people, but I didn't book it out. And so I think I came to this point where I was like my audience is fatigued like I need to take a break they need a break so I didn't do anything and then I did a Black Friday launch um where I introduced the audience builder bundle which was basically just like a literally videos that I had pulled together from other courses from other places and sold that as a bundle and then I think that was it um and then in Jan in January, I launched out to launch. So I, I like again, I'm trying to remember. I feel like there's probably some missing pieces in there that for some it's more recent than the other stuff, but I'm just not remembering it. But like <laughs> worth mentioning that like yes, I was having the the crisis and the and the still the panics and the wins and the highs and the lows. And at that point, I was really just trying to figure out like. What is something that is going to really serve my audience? And rewriting my customer journey too. Like I think that was a big part of the fall that led me to then do out to launch because I think that I had realized that what I was teaching a lot in the mastermind and what my clients were needing was support actually getting their offers out there. And I wasn't having million dollar launches, but I still knew the basics that they didn't know of how to launch something effectively. And it's, it's like that 10 steps ahead thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Where it's like, I could see like where they were going wrong. I had had two years now of trial and error and wins and losses. And, you know, I feel like I made it seem like every launch before the mastermind was bad. It wasn't. It's just, I, it's, it was more of a me thing that sometimes I'd be like, I want more, I want more, I want more. But I had really learned like what works, what doesn't. And I had also gone through a huge transformation in terms of sales. We know that in the music industry, everyone has like this weird, I don't know, belief that like, I can't promote, it's salesy and it feels gross and I don't like it and blah, blah, blah. And so and it I degrades had, my art. Yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we know that exists. I had been taught very much of like, like in that first program I did, it was very much like, get people in the DMs, get them on a call, pitch them the program like as fast as possible. Just like go, go, go. Kind of like always be selling. And it felt really icky. And I would always feel super anxious and be like, but how do I then navigate the DMs? Like, I don't know what to say next. It was always this tricky thing. And then over the course of that year, I really learned like, here's how I like to sell. Here's how my audience likes to be sold to, you know, here's how to maybe not launch all the time. Here's how to have a more genuine, authentic relationship with sales so that you don't feel gross and nobody else feels gross uh, being sold to, right? So I had learned a lot of these things and basically figured out like what not to do and what to do and noticed that several of my mastermind clients were going through something similar where they needed launch specific support as they were introducing new streams of income. And that kind of birthed the idea of out to launch as I also recreated my customer journey and decided like, you know, I really like helping multifaceted music entrepreneurs because that's what the mastermind group was uh, and was made for it was like people who are musicians and coaches and teachers and 
fashion designers. Like we had people doing really cool things in there and launching is a huge part of that um, because you need to be able to get your second income stream out there or your program out there. So I finally created out to launch and launched that in January with a February start date. And that was another launch that, you know, I think went really well. And um, it, it was a great group to start with. It That launch taught me a lot. That program running taught me a lot. And I think that um, now as we go into out to launch, we've been able to take like what worked, what didn't work. We made it a little longer. We brought Brie in to add some even more value. So like uh, we separated Patreon versus not Patreon out from each other so that people can really focus in on the specific thing they're launching. But um, yeah, that was the next step. And I think that was like <laughs> also a new... <laughs> I'm thinking of what happened after that. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm laughing, but I'm um, like, that was also like a new phase, I think, of really, um, really settling into the new product suite and the new customer journey that I was committing to and I'm still committed to now. Yeah, I think that is really key that you said you you refocused on your customer journey. And I know you know, for me, that helped me develop my musician's profit path for the musicians to really understand the journey that they needed to go through that I went through to build an audience and all that. And when you're thinking about, you know, musicians launching a program, which I think really became a big thing in 2020, because we lost musicians lost a big part of their income streams. And they started looking around going, how can I, you know, start moving what I'm doing in person online? And how can I scale that? And, you know, how can I, I have this skill, how can I start teaching that when I'm not doing it now, because I have all this time because I'm not on the road. Right. And for me, I've seen a, a lot of even my students in my membership wanting to launch things. I've seen them actually out there launching a few things and not having a lot of success because they didn't have someone that understood the mindset of musicians that understood uh, what it's like, like you said, with the you know whole feeling uncomfortable about sales and stuff. I do think that our industry is different in that way. Um, and both of us have been in programs where we're like the only musician amongst all kinds of other yeah. people in the program. And I've always felt like, yeah, I totally get that, but it's different when you apply it to the music industry. It's a little yes. bit different. So, you know, that I was think a huge that part of my impetus behind Out to Launch 2 was basically taking like, I've learned all of this stuff in the context of fitness coaching, wellness coaching, this, that, the other thing, but not really specifically tailored to the music industry. And in my brain, I had to take what I learned and tailor it to the music industry. And so I essentially came from a place of like, I just want to give it to people tailored already. Like this is the music industry version of this, you know? Yes. And I had been wanting to do that for a while because I saw my students going out there into other programs, not in the music industry and not having the kind of success that they wanted. And I'm like, gosh, someone needs to do this in the music industry. Yeah. Um, you know, but I was like, I don't want to launch a whole new program, you know? But then when I saw Katie doing this and I was like, that's exactly what I've wanted to launch. And so, you know, we ended up deciding to partner together on this yeah, um, because I saw that what she had was exactly what I thought my students needed. 
Um, okay, so after you out, you did out to lunch the first time, um, then what happened? Like bring us up to the current day. So then it was February and it basically, I launched out to launch in January and then was planning on launching the mastermind in February and I started the launch and then canceled the launch, which is why I was laughing. And, and Brie, I know gets a, like a kick out of this too, cause we've talked about it a bunch. Um, but this was like a very, this was a big turning point again for me in realizing like I don't want to be launching all the time my audience needs to be warmed up and I need to be energized and the reason I canceled it was because yes I wasn't seeing the immediate reaction from my audience which again as a type three definitely does affect me and how I perform but also I don't think I was seeing the immediate reaction because I wasn't behind it like I just wasn't behind it I was really tired I was exhausted. I felt like I was sort of forcing something to happen that maybe the timing just wasn't quite right. And from a business perspective, it should have been, you know, the mas- the the mastermind was ending in February, the current round that we had, we wanted to just go right into the next round in March, right? So it would have been great. Um, but the thing is that my current mastermind members weren't all ready to resign. A lot of them were trying different programs or, or just focusing on different aspects of their career for a hot second. And then like a lot of them kind of wanted to come back, but needed a little bit of a break. Um, and the new, the new client, like I wasn't seeing enough interest from new clients right at the beginning of the launch that I was just sort of like, I'm not getting the feeling that this is right right now. And I even started the launch. I had had this feeling before I started launching. I just want to say that, but I started the launch anyway, because I felt like I had to, I felt like, you know, I already told people it was happening. I've already been warming it up. I already have it on my calendar. I feel like I have to do this. And I started it. And then after a few days of basically like, you know, seeing what I thought would happen, you know what I mean? Like I went into the launch thinking it wasn't feeling right. And then I saw that I didn't get results right away. And so I was just like, I'm not doing this. (laughs) So I canceled it. And I just said to everyone, uh, this is canceled. (laughs) Well, we will be relaunching it, uh, to TBD. And I think, um, Like, I remember us talking about it and you being like, please tell me about that because, like, a lot of people, I don't think, have the guts to do that, you know? yeah. I was like, this girl's got guts because she's like, (laughs) and then she's like, and let me tell you why I canceled this. And, like, she's a really open book. Yeah, I did an email and a post and I was like, this is why I canceled it. Like, I I talked about it. it because this is the thing, like. I'm not afraid to admit these things. You know, I'm not afraid to talk about when I have imposter syndrome. I'm not afraid to talk about when my launch goals don't come and I feel like poop. I don't, I'm not afraid to talk about when I have to cancel things because like these are all lessons I'm learning and going through and things I'm experiencing. Number one, that makes me a better coach to coach people. And also number two, that just shows that like, you run your business, your business does not run you. And it's particularly with the mastermind launch, I totally could have let that run me. I could have seen it through. I could have signed no one because I was not showing up for that launch in the way I really needed to, or maybe signed a couple people. Um, and let me add as well that with the mastermind, you know, if it was a course launch, maybe I would have just gone through with it and whatever. But the mastermind is a six month program. Like I was like, I'm not going to launch this and then get shitty results and either 
sign only a couple people or sign people who aren't really good fits and then be stuck with that group for six months and not be able to relaunch it or get a group that really works or just, you know, take more time to fill up the spots. Like it didn't make sense to go through with it for this type of program. And I, I just want people to know that like, it's okay to change your mind and it's okay to do what's best for you and what's best for your business. Even if you started it, even if you thought it would be something else, you know, you can make decisions like that when you need to. And I think that canceling it was one of the best decisions I could have made. Yeah. And I think also that's where having a coach and someone else in your business where you can kind of bounce things off of is really helpful. Cause I know you said in your first round of out to launch, you had people that like came in with one idea and then by the end they're like, Nope, I'm doing yep. this because yep. they were able to get the clarity that they needed. Yeah, that is a hundred percent true. Like in out to launch, there were several people who went through huge transformations, not just around launching, but figuring out what they wanted to launch in the first place and really stepping into new, uh, new ideas and new, new realms of their business, which was really exciting. And with me too, I could say I regret launching so many things in 2020, or I regret, you know, having failed launches and not taking time. And yes, in retrospect, would I do that moving forward? No, like moving forward now I've learned, but I think that all of that was needed to happen so that I could ultimately get to where I'm at now and be able to actually create the products and sell the products that I need to be selling and that my audience really needs at this point. Like I kind of believe cheesily everything happens for a reason and like, you know, you have this idea and change it to this idea for a reason. You go through the failed launches and you try things and you do this for a reason and my reason is now I'm able to teach people, like I said, what not to do and what to do and how to sell authentically and how to not be sleazy and how to do things in a way that really works for you. I think that's like my bottom line. Yes. And then other people don't have to go through all of that, yeah. all of that roller coaster and all that because they can, you know, I'm a huge believer in cutting the learning curve for people. Exactly. And, you know, that's what we want to do in Out to Launch is to make sure that you guys don't have to go through that year of roller coaster and, and continual launching. And I can tell you that continuous launching is absolutely exhausting. It's so tiring. And it's, yeah. it's going to, you know, then you're really going to need to sign on with Katie as a wellness coach, because at that point you're going to have so much burnout. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, you know, I, rem I think it was 2018. I was doing a lot of launching. Plus I ran a summit. And it was, I remember when I went on vacation um, to our summer cottage in Maine and I literally sat there and played like words with friends or something looking at the lake for like almost two weeks because I just, <laughs> I, that was all my brain could do because I was just done, you it's know, tiring, so yeah. you don't want to get yourself there. Um, and so, you know, what we're trying to help people with without to launch is that knowing that runway that you need to do the launch justice so you can actually have a successful launch and knowing how far apart to do your launches so you're not just utterly burning out constantly. It's much better to do a bigger, longer launch than, and it feels a lot 
less stressful. Like right now we're in yeah. it, right? I don't feel stressed out. Me either. Not right? at Because we planned enough time. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll it. say this as well. So like I canceled the mastermind launch and originally I had different plans for the launch See, for basically this whole year. All of 2020, I had a completely different plan. Nothing happened the way I thought it would, except for the out to launch launch, but everything else, nothing happened the way I thought it would. So I had totally different plans. And when I canceled the mastermind, I sat down and I said, what do I need? What does my audience need? Number one, more time. We need more time. Number two, I think we need to build, build up almost, right? So like what I did was I decided I'm going to relaunch the audience builder bundle next. Now, this was again, something I'd done for Black Friday. So I took some time to add some more videos, really bulk it up, like make it what I wanted it to be so it could really stand alone in my product suite. And it does. It's a fantastic product. And I took uh, four to six weeks. Like I was able to give myself that time. Uh, basically, I guess all of March to warm up for it. And then I launched in April. So that was really great because we had a fun launch. Like um, I, ha I took time again to like focus on warming my audience up for ABB and for, you know, providing a lot of value around social media and just like take that foundation in, in a way that didn't feel rushed uh, or anything like that. And then around that time too, like I remember hitting another point where I was just sort of like, I'm not sure what I want to do next. Like I... You don't know this, Brie, but like right before you reached out to me, I was actually at another crossroads where I was just like, I'm not sure. Should I do out to launch? Should I do the mastermind? Like I was just sort of trying to figure out uh, what my next move would be because like I said, this year had just gone so far out of the way I planned it that I made another tentative plan, but I was still just really trying to stay on the pulse of what felt right, <laughs> which is kind of silly because I am generally a planner. Um, but then you reached out and you emailed right at the end of the ABB launch and you were like, hey, have you done a course on this? Or like, have you thought about launching this again? And I was like, I did out to launch and it's funny you bring it up and because uh, you were like, I'm thinking about doing something. And so we hopped on a call and we talked about it. And it was one of those things where like, instead of trying to force something to happen, it, I was just like, this is right. Like, this is exactly what needs to happen. This, this is it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so I think at that point too, I was like, should I move to London? Like I was very much feeling like wanderlust. I was at a point where nothing felt fun. Everything felt like I was doing it because I had to do it and it didn't feel fun. And then you presented this with me and I was like, this is fun. This is going to be fun. I'm really, really feeling lit up about this. And then I guess we had that conversation sometime in April. And then we, we started pretty head on with, um, with warming up to our launch at the beginning of May. And now we're obviously launching it starting now-ish and then, you know, moving through the end of June. And so it gave us a lot of time. And I think working with someone else also, so you don't have to do all the work. <laughs> yes, it helps. <laughs> it helps. But, um, but uh, and I should say, like, both of us are pretty seasoned now. Like, we've got the emails, we've got the course, we've got the experience. So we just kind of went in and, and adjusted things as necessary. But it was one of those things where it was like, this was really lighting me up and this makes sense for me to do in my business. So it was just like a hell yes all around. Yeah. And I think that's another thing too, because as you know, I work with a lot of um, JV partners, which means joint venture partners, um, affiliates, if you guys don't know those terms, but like 
you know, showing up with somebody that has their launch dialed in and you're like, wow, this person really knows how to warm up their audience. They know, they understand the process and all of that. You know, that was why I approached you because I knew that you, I could, I was watching, you know, and you never know who's watching you. Right. And I knew that you, you had this stuff dialed in. I wouldn't have approached somebody that was like brand new and had never launched anything. And, and so it's the same thing with, you know, really dialing in your launch uh, by learning, you know, in the stuff we teach and out to launch is that like, then you'll attract other people later on, as Katie mentioned, she launched something with affiliates at one point. Um, mm-hmm. I certainly launched lots of things with affiliates uh, to help bring in new audiences and stuff, but you have to really show up as somebody that knows what they're doing yeah. in order to attract people like that. And that's obviously way down the road, but like, you know, we help people get their ducks in a row and so they can have a successful launch. So then they can go out and, and say to other people like, Hey, I had this successful launch. You want to come on board for the next one. And yeah. you're able to then expand and, and, you know, move forward in the industry. Even like product to product. I had people who had inquired about one-on-one coaching, like in the fall and then uh, couldn't afford it, or it wasn't the right time. And then they ended up signing for out to launch because by the time I launched that, it was like, this is specifically for me. Like, this is what I need. This is such a good fit. And so sometimes you're going to hear no's for other offers and then they'll come back around for the offer that you that you launched that is a good fit. Or sometimes it'll be a no at this time and it'll be a yes later, you know? Like I've had people reach out being like, hey, now is the time for one-on-one coaching. Like I'm ready. And yep. it can stink to hear those no's. Um, it really can. But like ultimately it's it's kind of having trust in like the bigger vision and like if you really just keep at it and keep providing value and, you know, checking in on your offer suite, checking in on your customer journey, um, making sure that you're just doing everything you can to show up as the good coach or even musician to really just like serve your audience where you're at, you will see those results and people will come back. Cause like Bree said, they're watching, people are watching. Totally. So let's finish this up with talking about how in all, we are doing a free challenge to help you guys launch and you know how are how is coming to the challenge going to help them get prepared for launching yeah so i think that the challenge is like the three biggest pieces of launching that you absolutely need to know and arguably like the three big mistakes that people make when they don't do these things. Mm -hmm. So Brie and I have really taken like everything we've learned about launching and everything you need to do when launching in, put it into out to launch. And the free challenge is like a really amazing teaser to that where you're going to learn the three-step process and what you need to do and what these crucial parts are that you can even start implementing as you're taking the challenge to be able to have a successful launch. So you're definitely going to, whether you're ready to join out to launch or not, you are going to walk away from this challenge with a ton of value and implementable tools. And then we definitely take it to the next level in out to launch and give you the support and the tools to really like see through that launch. So I highly recommend that you join the free challenge. Uh, you can join by heading to katiezacardi.com slash free challenge. But I feel like, yeah, like we're talking about, you know, why you need to warm up your audience, which I know was a mistake I made early on, not warming up my audience. And I've seen the difference that that makes. Uh, we talk about how to sell without being salesy, which as you guys know, is really important 
really important to me because I feel like, you know, it's something a lot of people are afraid of doing and something that I think is not necessary. Um, I've been having that conversation a lot lately, actually, of just sort of like the MLMers or like people just sort of like selling a fake vision or telling you do my thing and then you'll hit a 5k or 10k month and it's just sort of this fake stuff. You know what I mean? Like, it's yep. not really about that. Like, we're here to help you build a sustainable business and learn a launch process that you can make your own and re rinse and repeat with variations or with your own touch on it each time you launch so that you can get better and better and continue to build up your business. Yeah. And we're also talking about how to figure out what your offer is and how to communicate that. Because for me, I, I always felt like I had a great offer, but I felt like people never really understood what it was. And also I hadn't really done the best research with my audience to know exactly what they needed. And that's yeah. another thing we're talking about during this challenge. And, you know, for me, one big failure I had was not doing that, not not understanding exactly what my audience needed, thinking that I just assuming, you know, that I knew what they needed. Yeah. Um, and that's something that we're going to talk about during the launch as I mean, during the uh, challenge as well. So definitely go sign up for that. You can also sign up for that at profitablemusician.com slash free challenge. And man, it's been so cool to go through this journey with Katie's business. And I've learned so many things about her that I didn't even know. Um, so I'm sure you guys have too. And it's been super fun to be a takeover guest host on the out to be podcast. I look forward to the next time I get to do it. Thanks Katie for being such an open book. Thanks for interviewing me, Brie. This was fun. <laughs> you are welcome. Thank you so much for listening to the Out To Be podcast. If you like this episode, be sure to share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, rate and review it on Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. That really helps us spread the message and get this podcast out to even more women in music. For more information on coaching services, head to katiezacardi.com. See you next week.